0: Mormon Discussion Podcast is about helping Latter-day Saints like you lead with faith while tackling deeper, complex issues within Mormonism. All financial support goes directly towards keeping the podcast alive and supporting listeners like you. To support the podcast, please consider becoming a premium subscriber at mormondiscussionpodcast.org Again, that's mormondiscussionpodcast, all one word, .org You can do this for as little as $3 a month or $25 a year. And this will also reward you by letting you listen to premium episodes like this one months before the general public has access. Thanks for listening. And now, onto what you've been waiting to hear. Welcome to another episode of Mormon Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real. Grateful for the chance to sit down with you today and to have this conversation. Today I've been thinking about the word seer. Like we sustain the president of the church as prophet, seer, and revelator. We sustain the counselors in the first presidency and the quorum of the 12 apostles as prophets, seers, and revelators. Now each of these words has meaning. There's some connotation. There's some understanding. And I want to delve into the idea of what does it mean? We can speak briefly about prophets and revelators, but specifically, what does it mean to be a seer? So a prophet, the the quick way to just dissect that word is one who prophesies, right? Like a prophet gets up and he tells us of something that's going to happen that hasn't happened yet. Help us connect dots we haven't connected yet. And that's the way we traditionally look at like Moses, Noah, Abraham, and other prophets. But that definition has changed a lot in Mormonism in that people have come along, apologists and people within leadership, and said, no, 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 no. Prophecies way down the list of things that a prophet does. The number one thing a prophet does is testify of Jesus Christ. That's what a prophet's role primarily is, and if someone is a prophet, that's the only thing we really should expect from them, and anything else is just an added, uh, blessing. And, and so as we recognize, like, that definition is used a certain way within Mormonism, and, and primarily because the prophets from President Monson back to Brigham Young, and maybe as far back as Joseph, we can argue that one, have had very little prophesying, if any. And they really haven't filled that dynamic. And so we've had to reframe the word prophet in a way that these guys can live up to the expectation. When I look at revelator, pretty easy. I don't think there's any way to change this thing. But revelator means one who gives revelation. One who is giving uh, hidden knowledge. And again, I I would hesitate to to say that the top 15 men have done much of that, outwardly at least. Like we haven't had a canonized revelation in a in 100 years. And when you look at even the dynamics of the top guy, let's say President Monson right now, but whenever, the top guy, president of the church, and then the 14 behind him, it always seems like the president of the church gives the softest, fluffiest talk in conference generally. And the other 14 are the ones who draw lines or expand a theological idea a little bit and kind of edge towards things that we haven't heard as often. And, and it seems that there's some uh, understanding within that dynamic of that top 15 that we don't want the president of the church saying anything controversial. We want to protect him. We want him to be loved and appreciated by the membership. And we want to keep him kind of saying things that keep people happy and smiling and loving him and feeling loved by him. And let's, let's let the other 14 do the boundary maintenance. Let's let the other 14 draw the lines in the sand. And I simply am, I'm, as I'm thinking about that, as I say it, I'm also contrasting it in my mind with all the prophets in other dispensations. And to a T, prophets and other dispensations are on the, they're on the margins. They're, they're at the edges of their religious group. They're preaching from the wilderness. They are challenging and pushing and stretching their religious paradigm uncomfortably to the point where they are persecuted. And, and you can make the argument, oh yeah, that happens today too. Oh, it is so different in my head. At least it's so different. The kind of Uncomfortability and who's uncomfortable and where those people are at within the system, very different. The prophets in every other past dispensation made everyone in the center uncomfortable. The prophets today in this dispensation make everybody on the margins uncomfortable. And, and I hope we see that. Now that said, let's get to the word seer. And we've got some audio today that we'll play, but I want to start off with the LDS.org definition. Seer, a person authorized of God to see with spiritual eyes things that God has hidden from the world. Moses six thirty five through thirty eight. He is a revelator and a prophet. In the Book of Mormon, Ammon taught that only a seer could use special interpreters, or a Urim and Thummim. Mosiah eight thirteen and twenty-eight sixteen. A seer knows the past, present. And future, anciently, a prophet was often called a seer. First Samuel 9, nine 2 Samuel 24.11, and we'll get into that. Uh, I want to finish this, this statement here, but we'll get into that. Like There are places, as we wrestle with this word seer, we have to understand there is no consistent way to define this word. And so for Mormonism to come along and alter the definition a little bit is perfectly in line with what people have done with the word seer since the beginning of time. Joseph Smith is the great seer of the latter days. In addition, the first presidency and council of the twelve are sustained as prophets, seers, and revelators. This wording seems really unique to me. It's an acknowledgement that Joseph Smith is a great seer, the great seer of the latter days. And then there's this shift. In addition, the first presidency and the council of the twelve are sustained as prophets, seers, and revelators, I don't know what it is, but there seems to be a, an intentional lack of having a conversation that everyone after Joseph Smith was a seer, was a prophet, was a revelator. Instead, it's Joseph Smith was a seer, great seer of the latter days, and everybody else after him, we've sustained as prophets, seers, and revelators. There's... There's a discrepancy here, and it feels intentional, but it also feels like it's intentionally subtle as well, so that we as a people don't necessarily pick up on it, but that in some way there's no lack of honesty on the church's part. I want to begin to dive into how the word seer has been defined through scripture, and we even want to get to how... The word seer has been defined by the Lord Jesus Christ himself and by resurrected beings. So with that, let's jump into the Book of Mormon.
1: Now Ammon said unto him, I can assuredly tell thee, O king, of a man that can translate the records. For he has wherewith that he can look and translate all records that are of ancient date. And it is a gift from God, and the things are called interpreters. And no man can look in them except he be commanded, lest he should look for that he ought not, and he should perish. And whosoever is commanded to look in them, the same is called seer.
0: This is Ammon chapter 8, verse 13. And what Ammon is saying here to the king is that, look, there's there's a Urim and Thummim, and there's hidden records, and anybody who uses this tool to translate records and to give people information that was previously hidden is a seer. And recognizing that Joseph Smith was a scryer, using a peepstone and a hat to look for buried treasure, I, I don't think this connection can be ignored. And, and so I simply want to say that whether you're taking the Book of Mormon as historical... And you honor Ammon's words that a seer is somebody who can use a spiritual device and reveal hidden things, specifically um, hidden things that are on records using a spiritual device, is a seer. Or if you take the Book of Mormon as not historical and you recognize that Joseph Smith is trying to make the argument that, look, what I did As a teenager, what I did prevalently as a teenager in treasure digging, like that's a seer. And so no one should make fun of me. No one should dismiss what I was doing. It, it should be honored because what I was doing, I'm, I'm telling you now through the Book of Mormon is a respectable gift to have. But either way, either way, there's a certain definition of seer that is being imposed here. Now what's important is what comes right after This verse we just played and I want to go into it. I want you to pay attention. There's a spot where Ammon says the king said, and I want it to be clear, especially by the ending of this audio, that he's not talking about King Limhi, who he's in a conversation with. He's talking about King Benjamin. He's talking about, um, the king within his group being the guy called to translate. And that's an important recognition to make. But let's go to that audio.
1: And behold, the king of the people who are in the land of Zarahemla is the man that is commanded to do these things, and who has this high gift from God. And the king said that a seer is greater than a prophet. And Ammon said that a seer is a revelator and a prophet also, and a gift which is greater can no man have, except he should possess the power of God, which no man can. Yet a man may have great power given him from God. But a seer can know of things which are past, and also of things which are to come. And by them shall all things be revealed, or rather shall secret things be made manifest, and hidden things shall come to light. And things which are not known shall be made known by them. And also things shall be made known by them which otherwise could not be known. Thus God has provided a means that man, through faith, might work mighty miracles. Therefore he becometh a great benefit to his fellow beings. And now, when Ammon had made an end of speaking these words...
0: Now it would be easy to say, the King Limhi said a seer is greater than a prophet. And we can just write King Limhi off because he doesn't know what he's talking about. And Ammon just chooses not to correct him here. But that's not what is happening. You see by the end of the audio that King Limhi is silent and listening to Ammon preach. And he's excited when Ammon finishes his preaching. The king that Ammon is referring to is King Benjamin. King Benjamin says, a seer is greater than a prophet. That is so important as we dive into this, that to understand that a seer is a revelator and a prophet he's greater than a prophet a gift which is greater can no man have except he should have the power of god which no man can yet a man may have great power given to him from god but a seer can know of things which are past and also of things which are to come and by them shall all things be revealed First off, are any of our prophets, seers, and revelators, again, not prophets, seers, and revelators necessarily, but the men we sustain as prophets, seers, and revelators, are they revealing anything from the past? Are they revealing anything which is to come? Are they doing anything that is greater than a prophet? Are they, are they revealing secret things? Are they revealing hidden things? Are they revealing things not known that shall be made known by them? Things that otherwise could not be known. And so the question you have to ask is by this definition, not me, by the Book of Mormon's definition, is President Monson a seer? And I think it's a fair question to ask. And I think the church, in a sense, is acknowledging this when it says Joseph Smith was a seer and everybody else we sustain as a seer. And you begin to understand that difference. What else does scripture say about seers? Second Nephi Chapter 3, verses 6 through 7. This is speaking about Joseph Smith. A seer shall the Lord my God raise up, who shall be a choice seer unto the fruit of my loins. A choice seer will I raise up out of the fruit of my loins, and he shall be esteemed highly among the fruit of thy loin. And unto him will I give commandment, that he shall do a work for the fruit of thy loins his brethren, which shall be of great worth unto them. Even to the bringing of them to the knowledge of the covenants which I have made with thy fathers. I simply want to acknowledge here that Mormonism holds the ground that Joseph Smith is different. However he fills the role of leader of the church and his, his role as a seer, that there is absolutely within Mormonism, the idea that there will be a discrepancy between Joseph as a seer and anybody else. It's easy to say, like, Joseph Smith did some really cool things, and everybody after him didn't, and I'm simply making the spiritual space that the Book of Mormon teaches us that that was going to be the case anyway. And so we can't simply write off everybody after Joseph Smith simply because they're not filling the role the way he did. First Samuel 9.9, Old Testament. Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come, and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. So, in some ways, the Old Testament in places is using it interchangeably. That seer and prophet mean the same thing. It's really not until we get to the Book of Mormon that there is a distinct difference made. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 10, which say to the seers, see not... And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right thing. Speak unto us smooth thing. Prophecy deceits. So uh, this verse out of Isaiah, I simply want to say there's an acknowledgement that seers see. And prophets prophesy. And it doesn't really go into whether these are the same or they're different. But that it's not easy to write off a prophet as someone who just testifies of Christ. And anything beyond that is just an extra blessing. Micah three seven. Then shall the seers be ashamed and the diviners confounded, yea, shall they cover their lips, for there is no answer of God. In the New Testament, the word seer is not used once, not one time, into the Book of Mormon. And now he translated them by the means of the two stones which were fastened into two rims of a bow, and whosoever has these things is called seer after the manner of old times." Mosiah seems to be indicating here, Mosiah chapter 28, the scripture seems to be indicating here that seers have a Urim and Thummim and they're able to use them. And anybody who has a Urim and Thummim and uses it is a seer after the manner of old times, referring back to the Old Testament, even though the Old Testament doesn't describe it this way. What about Moroni? Moroni as a translated being, right? As a as a not immortality and not yet resurrected Moroni, as a spiritual being, what does he say? Right, He's gone back to God. He is bringing information straight from God. He's been on the other side. He's not speaking based on uh, what he thinks or maybes or this is what I believe, but everyone else can think differently. He is a heavenly messenger. What does Moroni say?
2: There were two stones in silver bows, and these stones, fastened to a breastplate, constituted what is called the Urim and Thummim, deposited with the plates, and the possession and use of these stones were what constituted seers in ancient or former times.
0: Moroni here even finishes up by saying that these instruments were created for the translation of this record, like these instruments were intended. In fact, his exact words are that God had prepared them for the purpose of translating the book. And here is Moroni as a translated being saying that the possession and use of the Urim and Thummim is what constituted seers in ancient or former times. Now, I want to make a recognition here. Moroni says that's how it was used then. That's how seer was defined then. He doesn't say that's how seer is defined now. And so again, even Moroni as a translated being leaves some space for some sort of shift. The way the Book of Mormon defines seer, the way Moroni has defined it, seems to be the way that early members of the church understood Joseph, Joseph Smith's relationship to treasure digging and descrying. For instance, here's a Enzyme article, here's the audio, in relationship to Josiah Stoll and him becoming aware of Joseph Smith's ability.
2: Joseph Smith first arrived in Harmony in the autumn of 1825. Joseph's mother, Lucy Mack Smith, wrote that earlier that year, a man by the name of Josiah Stowell came from Chenango County, New York, to get Joseph to assist him in digging for a silver mine. He came for Joseph from having heard that Joseph was in possession of certain means by which he could discern things, That could not be seen by the natural eye. Stowell was a prominent resident of South Bainbridge, New York, and for a man of his standing to be searching for buried treasure was not all unusual, since it was a common folk practice of the time. By 1825, young Joseph had a reputation in Manchester and Palmyra for his activities as a treasure seer, or someone who used a seer stone to locate gold or other valuable objects buried in the earth. Thus, it was no surprise that Stoll specifically sought out Joseph's services.
0: Two things. One is that this idea that Joseph is seen early on as a seer in some way, and the church isn't the only one to use that phrase, treasure seer. Um, That phrase is used in other articles, even by critics. And yet I'm curious if anybody in joseph's day would have used the word seer in that context if anybody would have said treasure seer or if that's us later on connecting two separate ideas right like joseph's a seer translating the book of mormon joseph's a treasure digger digger looking for spanish bullion buried in the hill and these are two different things and who comes along and then meshes them together But also to recognize again that seer here is being defined in the exact same way that the Book of Mormon defines it. Here's what Craig Christensen in a general conference talk in October of 2016 said about the role of seer.
2: Perhaps the most stunning passage in the Book of Mormon to young Joseph may have been the third chapter of Second Nephi. This chapter contains an ancient prophecy about a choice seer who the Lord would raise up in the latter days, a seer named Joseph, named after his father. This future prophet would be esteemed highly and do a work of great worth unto his people. He would be great like unto Moses and would be given power to bring forth God's word. Consider how Joseph must have felt as he realized that this prophecy was about him. He was not just translating history. He was translating a vision of the last days, of the miraculous restoration of the gospel of Jesus
0: Christ. And Joseph himself would help fulfill it. Again, this recognition that Joseph is something unique. He is something different. And and to not get caught up in the fact that everyone after him is maybe a little different... Maybe a little less impressive in some way, right? Other scriptures, Doctrine and Covenants 21.1, Behold, there shall be a record kept among you, and in it thou shalt be called a seer, a translator, a prophet, an apostle of Jesus Christ, an elder of the church, through the will of God the Father, and the grace of your Lord Jesus Christ. D&C 12491, That my servant Hiram may take the office of priesthood, And patriarch, which was appointed unto him by his Father, by blessing, and also by right, that from henceforth he shall hold the keys of the patriarchal blessings upon the heads of all my people, that whoever he blesses shall be blessed, and whoever he curses shall be cursed, and whatsoever he shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever he shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And from this time forth, I appoint unto him that he may be a prophet and a seer and a revelator unto my church as well as my servant Joseph. Now we don't have this office in our church anymore. Yes, we have local patriarchs, but we do not have a general authority patriarch. But when we did, he was a prophet and a seer and a revelator unto my church as well as my servant Joseph. It's an interesting scripture. D&C 109.92, behold, here is wisdom, yea, to be a seer, a revelator, a translator, and a prophet, having all the gifts of God, which he bestows upon the head of the church. Now here's this idea in this section right here, D&C 109, section 92, that the head of the church, now we don't know if he's speaking about who's the head of the church right now, Joseph Smith, or whether he's talking about the head of the church forever and ever, But what is implied is either way, whichever one you choose to take, that person should have all the gifts of God. Seer, revelator, translator, and a prophet. And the question is, after Joseph Smith, do we see those gifts? And if not, does that leave us then to only interpret this as Joseph Smith? Bruce R. McConkie said this. He said, seers are specially selected prophets who are authorized to use the Urim and Thummim, and who are empowered to know past, present, and future things. A gift which is greater can no man have. So Elder McConkie takes this view from the Book of Mormon, that there's prophets, but seers are greater. And seers translate ancient records with the Urim and Thummim. They know the past, the present, and future things. A gift which is greater can no man have. Elder McConkie, though, softens it up. He goes on to imply that seers get revelation from a rock and that Jesus, being the rock, makes any prophet a seer. And he says this, he says, Catholics do not embrace the principle of modern-day revelation. The popes are not considered seers who receive revelation from the rock. Protestants accept the conclusion that the church was not built upon Peter, but they fail to recognize the significance of the role of of the Petros, the seer who holds the keys of the kingdom. We are indeed blessed as Latter-day Saints to understand the full implications of this important event in the Bible. President Spencer W. Kimball is that needed seer in our day, a prophet, seer, and revelator. I find it strange that Elder McConkie gives essentially two different definitions that are paradoxical or contradictory, depending on where you stand. That one is using a Urim and Thummim, to know past, present, and future things, to translate records, a gift which is greater can no man have, and only selected prophets get it. And then Elder McConkie softens it by saying essentially every prophet in our church is a prophet, seer, and revelator. And those two ideas seem to be butting heads. Elder McConkie is not the only one, though, trying to soften the definition so that all of our leaders from this dispensation, specifically the president of the church, can be seen in that light. L. Tom Perry does this as well in, uh, in a talk, Heed the Prophet's Voice. This was from October 1994. Here is Elder Perry. This is a historic occasion as well as an
3: opportunity to contemplate the blessing it is to have a prophet of God to lead us. I believe we should pause at the conclusion of this memorable session to remember what it means to sustain a president of the Church as a seer and a prophet. First, the title of seer. Moses, Samuel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and many others were seers. They were seers because they were blessed with a clearer vision of divine glory and power than other mortals. Perhaps the best description we have of a seer is in the Book of Mormon when Ammon finds the land of Lehi-Nephi. There was much rejoicing in the land at the arrival of Ammon. King Limhi addressed the people and called on Ammon to rehearse what had happened to their brethren since they had been separated. Then King Limhi sent his people to their homes and requested that the plates containing the record of his people from the time they had left Zarahemla, be brought before Ammon that he might read them. As soon as Ammon had read the record, the king inquired of him if he could interpret languages of other records he had in his possession. Ammon told told him that he could not. Then Ammon said, I can assuredly tell thee, O king, of a man who can translate the record, for he has wherewith that he can look And translate all records that are of an ancient date. And it is a gift from God. And the king said that a seer is greater than a prophet. And Ammon said that a seer is a revelator and a prophet also. And a gift which is greater can no man have, except he should possess the power of God, which no man can. Yet a man may have great power given him from God. But a seer can know of things which are past, and also of things which are to come. And by them shall all things be revealed, or rather shall secret things be made manifest. And hidden things shall come to light. And things which are not known shall be made known by them. And also things shall be made known by
0: them which otherwise could not be known." Elder Perry seems to want to be holding like both pieces of ground. Like a seer is defined in this extra incredible way. He has these gifts that are above and beyond what even just a, a normal prophet gets. He can see the past. He can see the future. And at the same time say like, oh yeah, and our leader is a prophet, seer, and revelator. And I simply want to leave this conversation with with the question of whether President Monson has revealed anything that shows that he sees the past and the future? Did President Hinckley do anything that showed that he could see the past and the future? How about Ezra Tapp Benson? How about Howard W. Hunter? How about Harold B. Lee? And and I simply want us to wrestle with the idea that we can we can th- theologically speak to what we've been taught. We can tell. You know We can recant the definitions, we can spew out the statements we've been taught to remember, but I'm simply saying if we get down to our lived experience, where the rubber meets the road, yes, Joseph Smith was a seer, and yes, these men are sustained as such, but is there a difference between saying those two things? And in your lived experience, rubber meets the road— I would want us to have a conversation about what have our Latter-day Prophets said and taught and done that shows that they have a better grip on how the past affects us and how the future affects us. And let's have that conversation because Seer seems to have a specific understanding, even in the midst of us shifting and changing on how we define it. May the Lord warm your shoulders. God bless you in the name of Jesus Christ.